Tuesday, the 25th of April, just last month, a small earthquake caused uh, a rock fall in Beaconsfield in a gold mine town. And in the gold mine, um, many people were trapped. 11 miners were safely rescued. One miner was killed and two more were trapped in a shaft uh, approximately one kilometre below the ground's level, underground. Uh, we didn't know about their being trapped for many, many days. Uh, we waited and we waited for news to hear whether they would be alive or whether they would have perished under there. But five days later, they were found uh, alive but not able to be rescued. It was Sunday the 30th of April where people first learnt that they were still alive under the ground. Um, I remember them uh, saying, you know, trying to find who they were and we found out now people whose names we know very well, Todd Russell and Brant Webb. I remember them talking to the people who were in the mine and the people that were trying to responsible for the rescue. And they were saying, how long do you think it will be? And they said, we don't want to put a time on it. You know, we don't want to get hopes up. We're not too sure. Um, and then they described the kind of rescue operation that was going to take place and how uh, they were going to have to drill down and kind of the kind of rock that they would have to get through. And when I heard about it, I thought, wow, what a challenge that's going to be. I'm glad I'm not responsible for that mission, you know. I'm glad I'm not responsible for that task to be accomplished. And after all the, the waiting and the times, they, they started to say some times that they thought it would be. And I remember waking up and putting on the TV and it was still nowhere near time when they were rescued. But on Tuesday the 9th of May, we have all seen the footage and read the stories that Todd Russell and Brant Webb walked free from the mine. And tonight we're all going to gather around our TVs at 8.30 and hear the two-hour special about what they actually felt and what they went through while they were down there in the mine. But I remember wrestling, uh, thinking about that, you know, when, when we heard that they were free. And I remember thinking, oh, it's, it's so much like our mission, isn't it? People are trapped. Way below the surface, well, they're not. They're all around us. But they're trapped in darkness. Some of them are, are in cage bondage. Uh, they, they can't free themselves. And they're waiting for rescue people to come and help them out. And I think the, the clearest thing about the Beaconsfield mine disaster was that people knew they were trapped. <laughs> No one ever said, well, let's just, let's just close down the mine and go ahead. The, the mission was so important that they wouldn't give up until they got these guys out and the whole world started praying and hoping and everybody gathered around and we were all waiting for that moment because trapped people were going to be set free. Reminds me of uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14 which says, "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom 
of the Son, whom he loves. What is Jesus' mission for us? If, if the Beaconsfield mine was to, was to get them out and free them, what's our mission? Well, why don't we turn together to Luke chapter 4 and verses 14 to 20. And let's read and see what Jesus says. To this point, Jesus' ministry has only just begun in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, as his ministry has become, he's been out into the wilderness and he's been tempted by Satan and he's overcome that temptation. And then we see this little news that starts in um, John chapter four, uh, Luke chapter 4 and verses 14. It tells us how his ministry has been going. Let's look at that. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Soon he became well known throughout the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. You'll notice there that ministry is going well for Jesus up to this point. Everybody is uh, hearing about him. He's becoming well known throughout the country. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Then the, these verses go on and it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures, the scroll containing the message of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And it says he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. Then he said, This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. What a moment. What a beginning to Jesus' ministry. Uh, at the part in the service at the synagogue uh, where all the previous things had taken place and now where the scripture was to be read and someone was to preach from the scriptures, Jesus, because he was so well known, they invited him to speak. They invited him to do the Bible reading and so he gathered, not a Bible like this, bound in leather, but a scroll. And the scroll that he read from was from Isaiah 61 and verses 1 to 2. And he read this out before them. And he proclaimed his mission. Have you ever had to accept a tough mission like the Beaconsfield Miners? Well, Jesus' mission is our mission for the world. Christ's mission was hard. Where he was uh, on that day, when he was in, in the ministry that he engaged him when he was in Galilee and on this earth, was hard. There was poverty all around. So often he would meet people that were poor and struggling. 
It was a world of injustice where the Roman authorities, you know, ruled it over the Jews at that time. It was a time where tax collectors could gather more than they could from you and get it out of you. It was a time where there were people that were oppressed all around. It was a world where people weren't receptive to his message. In this passage, after he's read the scroll and said, this has been proclaimed today, this has taken place in your, this scripture has been fulfilled today. It's not too long till people want to kill him and throwing off a cliff just in the next few verses. It was a world that wouldn't accept who he was because they saw him as just a local boy. Jesus' mission was incredibly hard. But Christ's mission is our mission today as a church. What Christ did while he is on earth, he calls us to do. Christ wants us to do the things that he did while he was on earth. You know, our mission is challenging. I mean, in a world where poverty is extreme, especially in places like Malawi, where we've heard from today, and where wealth is obscene in so many places, in a world where injustice is all around us, we hear of children being abused by parents who have been abused, in communities where they've been abused, And in these Aboriginal communities, they've been facing so many years being in remote settlements, away from hospital and from police presence and from places where things can go really wrong. We're in a world where gambling is a right for people who have self-control, a form of pleasure, and yet it's a vice for those that become so addicted, losing their savings and often their jobs and their families and uh, the things that they had hoped for in their future. So well, uh, we're living in a world where Bibles can be an offence to people lying in a hospital bed, where uh, the thought of a Bible offending someone when it's sitting there uh, overrides the hope that God might bring to people through his word. A place where tolerance kind of means accepting of other people to the point of not holding clearly to your own convictions so that nobody's toes are stepped on. In a world where there's constant unrest and, and, and war and fighting in countries like Iraq, where people live in fear of suicide bombers and all kind of dangers that can threaten their life. In a world where people are poor and unable to find adequate food just to live, like the Muslim people of Malawi, the Yao people. You know, a third of those people are undernourished. They experience regular droughts. And as a result of these things, their life expectancy is under 40 years of age. In a world we live today, where we're called to be on mission, is a world where AIDS takes so many people's lives. In 2005, the number of people living with HIV was 40.3% million people. Of those, uh, 2.3 million were children under the age of 15 years. You know, last year, 3.1 million people died of AIDS. In Malawi, 50% of the Malawians 
from age 15 to 49 have been infected with AIDS. It's almost one in six people that suffer. And Jesus has called us to be part of his mission. So what is the mission that Jesus proclaimed when he, uh, when he came to this earth? Well, all I have is the Bible reading here in front of us. But if you have your Bibles with you, there we go. It's not going to happen. That's all right. It's only just one force. If you have your Bibles with you anyway, we're just going to look. Um, all it is is the, the scripture from 18 to 19. And um, we could just leave that up, um, Howard, just that next one, and that would be fine. And this is what it says. For the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. The first thing he says in this time is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's very important, isn't it? Jesus was sent by God. His Spirit, the Spirit of God, was upon him. You know, many times we see in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came upon people to empower them to ministry. And God's work, God was at work in their lives. Um, do you know, for us, Wodonga Baptist Church, it, we need to know that God's Spirit is at work in our lives, don't we? Otherwise, we're just a church that turn up each week, we do the right things, and we kind of look good on the outside and we go back and we just expect that nothing will change. In fact, we try and ensure that nothing changes. But when God's spirit is at work in our lives, things can change and things will change and God will be empowering us as we minister. Do you know, uh, I know that... God intends for us to be a church that's empowered by his Holy Spirit, that are trusting in God's Spirit for our guidance, for our leading. That's why we really think that the church meeting is important. That's why that every week that we come together for worship, we believe that God's going to speak to us by his Spirit as we open his Word and as we study it. I think that's the kind of church that Paul had in mind when he wrote in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk, it's living by God's power. How many people know that churches can get into fancy talk? We can get caught up on all little divisive issues on the side and what kind of things we like and what we don't like, what we used to have and what we don't have and what we hope and all these kind of things. But Paul says, no, the, spirit of, the kingdom of God is not just a fancy talk, but it's about living by God's power. I pray that for our church, we would be one that depend so much on God and his Holy Spirit that we continue to be led by him. The Spirit of God is, a, is upon me, Jesus says. And then he says, because he has appointed me. Some translations say, anointed me. As we serve together God's people here at Wodonga and the districts around, I've got a, a deep sense that we're not here by chance, that it's no uh, just 
hope by happenstance that Mandy and I got a call or Norman Pell came and talked to us one day and said there's a church in Wodonga that um, we'd like you to consider. And I said, is that for the youth pastor position? And he said, no, it's the senior position. And I said, well, we'll have a look, we'll have a look. And as we prayed, there was a real sense together that God was working. And as we talked, there was a sense from you that as we came together that God was at work. And we just sensed that God's spirit is at work in us all being together. I know you're not here by chance. I mean, God's been at work in your hearts. He's changed your lives. And you've found yourself here together. And the Spirit of God is at work in forming this church together. And I believe that it's no, no mistake that we are the church today in Wodonga, Wodonga Baptist Church. And I believe that God's put us together. And I believe that as Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me and he has appointed me. Uh, I think he would, we can claim that promise for us, that God has been at work in our lives He's put us together and he has appointed us to be involved in mission, in God's mission. Do you think that's true? I think it's true. I think we can boldly hold to that. This word appointed or anointed was often used for people who were being called by God. They would anoint them with oil and the oil would flow over them saying, this, is, this person is dedicated to God's service. And I just find that so many people in this church so passionately dedicated, given themselves to God for his service, that they would be used. And that's exciting. Jesus goes on and he says, not only is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and not only has he appointed me, but he's appointed me to preach good news. Now, this was Jesus' first concern as he declares his mission, to preach good news. What Jesus made primary, we don't ever want to make secondary. What Jesus declared up front, we don't want to ever uh, pull back from. Jesus said, I've come and the Spirit of God is upon me because he appointed me to preach Good news, the preaching of the gospel is our first concern as a church. Some people might want us to engage in uh, different activities as our primary focus. Some people might want to say, no, it's more important that we kind of have these kind of things or that kind of thing. You know, these things take a greater precedent, people might say. But we, we would declare as we look at these verses that Jesus wants his people to be those that preach the good news, that bring the good news, that take the good news. He wants our church to be one that people could say, how lovely are their feet, like the Mission Watch team have, have said. You know, like Romans 10 says, those that bring good news, that tell other people about what Jesus has done, what God has done through Jesus Christ. What is that good news? Well, it's the fact that although we are sinful and have turned away from God and turned our back on him, God loves us and he loves us unconditionally. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the, into the world so that he could take upon himself our sin, all the things that we've done against him, 
He wants us to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ who has taken upon himself our sin when he died on the cross. Jesus died and he rose again and he's coming back again one day. And the good news is that all people that put their trust in him can be forgiven, set free and find life to the full as the Holy Spirit comes to live in them. That's good news, isn't it? It's great news. And what this passage says, that this is to be our primary focus, to be telling people about the good news, to be preaching it each week, to be sharing. You know, I I tell you, there are so many things that are tempting for me to take my focus off preaching the good news as your pastor. Uh, Leading the church has so many different things that it can require. I meet with the staff each week and... Individually, I meet with each staff member most, mostly each week. I meet with the deacons monthly and I meet and share with our leaders right across the church monthly. And I'm called to do funerals. I'm called to, uh, to represent our church at the minister's fellowship once a month, uh, to meet with other Baptist pastors for support and encouragement. I pray with people. I help people who are facing challenges and struggles of all different kinds. I visit people in their homes from time to time. I visit um, people in hospitals sometimes and do pre-marriage counselling with people and marry people, take class of baptism, do administration, do other things, and it just keeps going on. And all of these can be things that can be together vying for time, which is needed to be preparing to preach the gospel each week so that people hear God's word and lives are changed. But Jesus says, I want you, Jonathan, I want you, Wodonga Baptist Church, to make this primary focus, to give yourself to it so that you can do my mission. I mean, the same is for you. You don't have to be a preacher up here to to be able to preach God's word. I mean, you you can show... Uh, and tell people the good news wherever you are, in your small group. May your small group be one that wrestles with God's word, that preaches the good news in your small group. In your ministry area where you serve, may you constantly be telling people the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Uh, If you're at work, may conversations that you have about uh, your life and your faith be those that point to the good news of Jesus Christ and all that he has done. Let's be those that have beautiful feet that take the good news to those around us. You know, Jesus goes on and he says, for he, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. To the poor? Did he really say that? Yes, that's what it says there. But we often... Uh, forget that, that Jesus uh, had the poor at the top of his heart constantly as he walked the earth. He fed, he taught, he healed, he protected, and he loved the poor. Jesus uh, was constantly uh, caring and talking to the poor. You know, the Sermon on the Mount was outdoors where the people of the day could gather and follow and speak to him. And he told in things that in, he spoke to them in ways that they could clearly understand and he could help. 
I read in the Border Mail this week that Wodonga has the highest number of uh, government housing or commission housing for low-income people in the region. So in areas that surround our church are people who are needy. And some of you are people who are needy. And some of you live in these areas as well. And Jesus loves people who struggle to make ends meet. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus loves people who are struggling to to make ends meet. Why? Well, the truth is that many people who struggle have actually learned to ask for help. Don't if you can't get by and you need help, you've got to go and ask someone to help you, don't you? I mean, if you can't pay the rent, you have to go and ask for help. If you haven't got food, you have to go and ask someone who has food to give you food. And the truth is, the people that are often poor are those that are most likely to ask for help. And when it comes to preaching the good news, those that are most often likely to respond to the good news are those that realise that they have a problem. On the other hand, people that are are wealthy are often people that have uh, learned how to be how to get by on them by themselves. They've learned that independence is the way to go, not dependence. You know, to be able to organise their life in such a way that they don't need to, anybody to help them, that they don't need to depend on anyone or to rely on anyone. And what can often happen are that people that are wealthy can be the hardest people to reach with the gospel because they don't see that they're sinful people. They don't see that they have a need. But Jesus doesn't just go to the poor. He goes to everybody. And he says, uh, he he wants us to to go to everybody to share the good news. But he says, blessed, in in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you must be poor in spirit to, be, to, to know the good news of Jesus, to respond. You must realise that you're far from God and that you can't do it on your own and you have to depend on him to be able to receive the good news. You know, Jesus constantly said, I haven't come to the, to the healthy, I've come to the sick. You know, Jesus said, uh, about those that are, are rich, that it's harder for them to get into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle. Why? Because so many people that are rich think that having those things makes them right before God. So Jesus says, he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. And those that are poor are often those that respond to the gospel because they recognise their need to defend pendants. But God's called us to preach good news to the poor in spirit who will respond as well to what he's saying. As a church, we must ask ourselves this question of how are we helping the poor? How are we helping the poor in, in Wodonga? in Albury, in in all the places around in this region. This week we had a a couple of people from our church deliver a whole lot of meat to our church. They'd killed a sheep and they brought the meat to the church and they said, put this in the freezer. And uh, 
we're going to be using that meat to try and help people that don't have much find this kind of good food from our place. You know, each week, some of you, while you're shopping, instead of just getting baked beans, and you get another thing of can of food and you give it in to the community box in the foyer. And what happens is people walk into our office regularly and they say, we just need some food, can you help us? And so we help them. Do you know, we've got a, a, a place for people who are poor in spirit and who are recognising that they can't make it on their own where they can come and pray with people, who can come and find counselling here at the church or have some great programs like Life Force. You know, we have a community day where people are invited to come and it's a place where everyone's welcome, where people from our church, where people from the community play and they eat food together and they have fun and we hope and pray that they will come to our Sunday services or to a small group or to a place where they can hear the good news and respond. We've got to keep asking, are we preaching the good news to the poor in this region? And what about in the world? What about in the world? How are we doing that? In Malawi, amongst the Yao people, we're given an opportunity to do that. And we've heard about John and, and, and all that he's doing with Total Life Care. And we're going to have an opportunity to actually give to them so that the poor in Malawi, those that are starving to figure out just how they can get enough food from the limited rainfall that happens, we're going to be giving and we're going to be directly helping them. People like John Wilmont and other people are, are sharing the gospel with them in little groups as well. So we want to feed them food. We want to feed them the gospel. We want to do that here in Wodonga. And we want to do that everywhere we can so that we can be part of what Jesus' mission can be our own mission. I tell you, it's hard, isn't it? Like when we wake up and we can just open up the cupboard and there's, what will I have today? Vitabrits, cornflakes, Nutri-Grain, muesli. I don't know, there's too many choices. Sometimes we can get our things just going, sitting there for a while, figuring out what we're going to eat. You know, we get, and yet it's so far away the people who are poor, from our minds. We don't want it to be. It can't be. We must let them know that we care, that Jesus cares, that Jesus is part of helping them find the good news. Well, Jesus goes on and he says, uh, he, he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released He's, he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. You know, some other translations say freedom for the prisoners. Jesus was declaring here that he'd come to set prisoners free, that he'd come to let them loose. And prisoners are all around us, aren't they? I mean, uh, we've got the Beechworth prison up here, and if Jesus was around, we hope that he wouldn't let everyone out just running crazy. But uh, what he says here is he wants to release and set free those that are captive. And we've got Ken Stevens who has a ministry called Prison Fellowship and, or Prison, he goes and visits people in prisons and he does that regularly. And there's a team that he takes with him that play a basketball or volleyball with the prisoners. And that's a way to take the good news to them, to show them that Jesus cares about them and that he loves them. And it's a great ministry. But, you know, there are prisoners I see as we walk through the streets 
of Albury and Wodonga. There are prisoners I see in their houses in country towns in around this area. And they're not the ones that are behind physical bars, but they're people that are bound by sin, that are captive to sin. They're people that are bound by fear, by death, by habits, by anxiety, by drugs, by alcohol and by poverty. And Jesus says he's come to release them. Church, we need to proclaim freedom for those people. I mean, we need to proclaim that they can be set free in Jesus. Charles Wesley wrote in a hymn, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues, he wrote, He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Jesus wants us as a church to be those that are setting the captives free. Those that are bound by sin, finding freedom in Christ. The church must proclaim this freedom from prisoners over drugs, over alcohol, over addictive behaviours of gambling, of poker machines, of smoking, of pornography, of anything else that imprisons the spirit of people. Our prayer is that Wodonga District Baptist Church will be part of liberating people, will be part of setting people free, that Jesus would set free people who come to this church and people who meet here. This weekend there's been a number of people that have been down at the Care Force Conference and that's at um, Care Force Church where Alan Meyer is the minister. When Alan came to our church, he shared with us passionately how there are just people around our church in the streets who are prisoners, who are bound by addiction and sin. And he spoke challengingly to say that Jesus wants to set them free. And are we ready as a church for those kind of people? Well, as our leaders of of those groups and as our facilitators go down so that uh, courses here about, uh, you know, searching for intimacy, searching for significance, about how we can have valiant men, how we can have people that are are, are women who are honouring God in the way they live. We pray that these courses and so many of them uh, crown financial ministries, helping people break out of the debt and bondage of, of, of just not being able to handle their finances well. We, we pray that these will set people free and will help them to grow, become more like Jesus. We pray that people with addictions will find them met. You know, if you've not done one of these courses, why don't you do one? Wouldn't it be great to do one? to see which one of them would be one that might help you a little bit and sign up. It would be great. I think uh, Jesus wants his people to be those that are released from the bondage, not just staying the same. He wants us to help be those that are part of Jesus' mission, introducing people to Jesus so he sets them free. Jesus goes on and he says, well, he's sent me to proclaim that the blind will see. Jesus declared that one of the directions of his ministry will be that, hey, the blind people will see. This is a mighty spiritual promise. Jesus used this image when he he, uh, came to Paul and he came to him saying, 
I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That was Acts chapter 26 and verses 17 to 18. So many people today in the streets of Wodonga and Barranduda and Aubrey and Lavington and Beechworth and all the areas around our church are people that are blinded. How are they blinded? Well, I think they're blinded by the media, aren't they? They're blinded by television. They're blinded by pornography. They're blinded by permissiveness. They're blinded by greed and exploitation. And Jesus declared his ministry would be one that would help those whose minds have been darkened and muddied and stopping them from seeing how the things as God would want them to see. He says, I've come to make the blind see. He wants them to be restored so they can see what God wants them, the way God wants them to live. That's why Jesus is called, the, says, I'm the light of the world. Uh, the light shines in the darkness. Jesus wants our darkened mind to be made clean. Our hope, my hope, your hope, I'm sure, is that those who come to this church, who come with a completely different worldview that darkens their minds, that come into this place and would know that they come to meet Jesus Christ, that they would be touched by him and his word and the good news that he brings and that they would be people that would say, I once was blind, but now I see. Children in Malawi, people in Malawi, (laughs) uh, struggling to live, not knowing anything about Jesus Christ, living a faith uh, that follows Islam. Wouldn't it be just wonderful to hear from them reports how the ministry amongst the people there had helped them to know Jesus and they were once blind but now they see. Jesus wants us proclaimed that the blind will see through his mission. Jesus continues and he said that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. And he's saying here in the, in the one, the word oppressed, uh, the word comes from the idea of being broken into pieces. It comes from being crushed, from being shattered. And Jesus comes to those whose lives are squashed by life circumstances. You know, those who have been trampled on, those that have been through rough, tough, hard stuff and who come with tears and brokenness and say, can you just please help? Well, he says, I've come to free those who are oppressed, those who are crushed, Um, those who come to this church, those who are welcomed to a small group or to someone's home or to a Friday night Youth United or to a dinner with impact or a playgroup session or to kids' church. We hope that those who come that are broken and crushed and have come hurt would be welcome in every one of those groups with open arms and that they would be introduced to Jesus who wants to free them from their oppression. We can help. We can help. Those in Malawi just crushed, oppressed, can't get out of the poverty, can't get out of the disease, can't get out of the sickness and yet 
now there's hope that's coming. We can help them. And then Jesus says, and I want to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The time of the Lord's favour has come. You know, this year has been one where so many different things have happened. There's a stampede during the Muslim pilgrim where 362 people were killed in that stampede. This year, the world population rose to reach 6.5 billion people. This year, uh, the Commonwealth Games was held in Melbourne. This year, Tropical Cyclone Larry considered the worst cyclone hit Queensland of Australia. This year, in the midst of these events, we want to proclaim as the year of the Lord's favour. that This is the year, right now, for us as a church to say, God has appointed us. God has called us to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. God has appointed us to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. God has called us to make a difference here in the place that we live, there over in Malawi where people are hurt and crushed. And we can be part of it. Isn't that incredible? And the only way we can be part of it is through recognising that Christ's mission is our mission and that as he lives in us, he wants us to have a heart after the things that he's after. So this week, as you ponder and pray about what you can do for the people in Malawi, ponder and pray about what Jesus wants to do in you, in your home, in your workplace, in the places all around. And may it be good news for all those you meet. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we're so aware this morning of people who are trapped, just like those miners, God. God, we thank you that you are speaking to us as a church today, that your word is speaking to us about the work that you want to do in and through us. God, we as a church, we say we're ready. God, we're yours. God, would you use us to carry about your purposes, your mission in this world. God, help us not block our ears to the hurting people. Let us not block our ears to the oppressed. God, let us never, ever give up the primacy of preaching and teaching your word, of living it in our lives. And God, may this year, 2006, be the year of your favour for the people of Wodonga, the people of Malawi, the people that we contact and influence together. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.